0: His people, which was great. We loved being his people. we will always remain his people. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But we are no longer every nation, his people. I mean, his <laughs> <every, every nation laughs> people <register. laughs> We are now every nation raiser. Today is the day, is the day that we move from one dispensation to another dispensation. Some of you here are like, who is his people? Who is Nation, we don't mind as long as you preach well, as long as worship's great, you know. But today, we, um, we as a movement made this decision that we wanted to be a prophetic voice to this nation, that we wanted to make a declaration in light of everything that is happening and everything that has happened in our history, that we wanted to make a declaration to this nation that we were a place where everyone was welcome. We were a place where everyone can grow, where everyone can fulfill their destiny. And so, in light of that, our bigger movement's name is Every Nation, and we thought that's a great name. That's who we want to be identified as. We want to be identified as a church that welcomes everyone. So, that's you. Do you feel welcomed? <laughs> today, we also launched our new website, Every Nation Rowing Service. We want to celebrate God's goodness in our midst. We want to celebrate the fact that God has a plan for this church. He has a plan for each of you as individuals, and together we're going to do it. Amen. Amen. year 2020. That we will have ministry on every one of those campuses. We and and we don't believe just in parachurch organizations. We believe in the church. We believe that God establishes His rule and reign on the earth through the church. We see lives, individuals, communities, society transformed through discipleship in the word, the presence, and the power of God. In other words, we're looking to impact individuals, communities, entire people groups, entire nations by discipling individuals in the word, the presence, and the power of God. We want them to know Jesus. We want them to know their Bibles. We want them to know the power of God. We want them to have a faith that when they stand next to their neighbor, they, they can say, oh, God has a plan for you, and I'm here to bring you into that plan. That they can stand next to their neighbor, and say, I know you're facing impossible situations, but I know the God of the impossible, and I will stand with you, and we will get through this. God's power will come to make a difference. We want a people that are sure of that. You know, throughout the Bible, God did a significant thing in people's lives. When He wanted to pull out a new identity, when He wanted to launch something new and incredible in their lives, He changed their Lord Jesus, I just pray that as I begin this message, that you would do something deep and significant in our lives. Father, I pray that. Not bad. A man, we'll do all that I've asked him to do and I found the man. Now he's with god, and all those ambitions are in their darkness. Remember when you were young, and your parents used to call you, and there was a certain tone in their voice, and there was a certain way they said it, and depending on that, or depending lo- would let you know what was coming. My dad used. To very affectionately, call me Carrie Anne. And if he said Carrie Anne, I knew it was all beautiful sweets and cuddles and loves. But if he stood in a very authoritative voice and said Carol Anne sister, you come here, I knew something else was coming. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's when I, I resisted the urge to come there and went somewhere else as much as I could if he hadn't seen me. But you know, the way your Father calls your name means something very significant And I feel for each of us, God is is wanting to do this. He's, He's wanting to come and speak that affection to you. He wants you to hear him call your name. And more than call your name, call out your identity, call out your mission, call out your purpose. And say, this is who you are. This is who you are. This is who you are. We are carrying on a, a series called Made New, and I, I want to focus on a particular part of Scripture where Jesus came and changed someone's name. You can find that Scripture in John 1, 35-31. If you have your Bibles, please take them out. If you have them on your phone, please open them up. I feel like there's something profound about reading the Bible. In verse 35, it starts out and it says that the next day, John, this isn't the same John who wrote this book in the Bible. This was John uh, who went, the cousin of Jesus who went before him, was a prophet in his day. And it said, the next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? You can't tell the tone of that, but you know, it would either be, What do you want? You know, just an interested or what do you want, but I think it was interested kind. They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying and spent that day with him. It was about the 10th hour. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, We have found the Messiah. That is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which was translated, which we translated, excuse me, is Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth, he said, had anything good come from there? Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, Here is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Have I? You are the Son of God, you are the King of Israel. Jesus said, you believe because I told you, I saw you under the fig tree. In other words, that little thing convinced you, my word, you ain't seen nothing yet. You shall shall see greater things than that. He then added, I tell you the truth. You shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of God. Can you feel what happens when you read the Bible? Can you feel my kind just of It's like things in my mind just open up. Such a great thing. But this passage of Scripture, basically where Jesus changed Peter's name from Simon to Peter, has so many things in it. Because what it is talking about, it, it's maybe talking about the method in which God does. The significant words or phrases in this portion of scripture, or the significant phrase, should I say, is come and see. Those two disciples asked Jesus where he was staying, and instead of telling them 26 Mowbray Lane, he said come and see. Why? Because he didn't just want them to know information, he wanted them to experience. Andrew runs and calls Peter. He doesn't say literally the words come and see, but he certainly draws him to come and see Jesus. And Philip goes to Nathaniel and says, come and see. This incredible, mind-blowing experience that we have had, this life-changing walk that we are experiencing with the Lord Jesus Christ, I want you to have it also, and I'm calling out you to come and There are a few people in the story. And you know, history really influences that's great. In the story we have john the baptist who in essence was this crusty old prophet who ran around in camel's hair and i don't quite know what a garment made out of camel's hair was like but i'm telling you this: he wasn't feeling comfortable he also had locust juice dripping out of the side of his mouth i mean i don't i don't know what kind of man dresses in camel hair and drinks each, each locust, because this this is what, how the Bible describes it, as a man who lived out in the wilderness, wore clothes made of camel hair, and ate honey's good. He ate honey. I, I understand that, but it was those locusts that really just don't don't really fit that well with me. It just when when someone said to me that God was calling me as a prophet, and I had this image in my mind, I was no no no. I want to wear coochie, not camel hair. <laughs> And I want to eat Nando's right? locusts. Nonetheless, I was happy to discover he did more than one kind of profit, so I was happy about that. But the bottom line, he was like this crazy crusader who just, you know, was there in your face 24 7, telling you about what you need to do and how you need to do it and how you weren't doing it right and you need to be better and just come and pull yourself together. The Bible doesn't tell us, but I'm sure he had long hair. You know, long, crazy hair and wild eyes. And then there were Andrew and Philip. So Andrew was one of John's disciples. And listen, if if John is the kind of person that's continually calling you to repentance, what kind of person was Andrew? (laughs) <laughs> he was the kind of person who was really trying to be a good person. He was like, ah, oh, I just if I can just try this one more program, this one more uh, diet, this one more Bible reading program. If I can just get this one more thing done, ah, I'm sure I'll be okay. He was just try, that self-improvement kind of person. I just hanging around John the Baptist. Ah, I don't know how many times he repeated, but apparently John the Baptist being who he was, called people to repeat it all the time. And then we have Philip, that we don't really know that much about, except that later he became an evangelist. We know that he lived in a fishing community in the north of Israel, around the Sea of Galilee. It's likely that he was just a run-of-the-mill good kind of person. He probably was just trying very hard to build his business, to be a, I don't know if he was married, but if he was married, be a good father, be a good businessman, make a living, make his parents proud. And then we have Peter. And we know a lot about Peter. We know this. That he had these wild sways of emotion. So sometimes he was really on top of things, saying the right things, and sometimes he was really just in the dog box saying the exact wrong thing, Jesus was rebuking him and saying, get behind me, Satan. And other times praising him as just the one who's carrying the greatest understanding. He was the one who jumped out of the boat to go walk on the water with Jesus. He, he was the one always like first into battle. He was kind of the impulsive. His original name was Simon. His parents named him Simon. Simon means Reed. And so I often think about this. You know, when, when you have a baby and you have great aspirations for the baby, what makes you name them Reed? <laughs> like, I mean, it won't be long and skinny. I don't know. I mean, how, uh, what, what do they name stuck because as he grew up, he became became this person who just like swayed from opinion to opinion, from one extreme to the other extreme. And I guess there are people like that, and sometimes we find ourselves like that. You know, you hear the truth about Jesus Christ, you hear being preached on a Sunday, the way you should live, the way you should organize your life. And you go in it hammer and tongs one minute and then, you know, you're watching TV and the advert comes about, up about this trip to Mauritius and you've been tithing all, you've been loving just for everything for, to build a kingdom and suddenly you think, oh my gosh, Jesus out the window, Mauritius, here we come. <laughs> and you don't fully just forget about him, but your priority suddenly gets swayed to another place. Know, is there anyone in the room that's like this? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> but you know you know how it is. It's like the, the different pools on us. Sometimes you become unsure about the way forward. And then we have the cynic. I just really, really, really relate well to Nathaniel. Because sometimes I feel a little bit cynical. You know, there's only so many times you can be told about a washing powder that will make your clothes. Like new. Because you wash and wash your clothes with that washing powder and they still look like old clothes. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) There are only so many times you can be told about this banking solution that will you just put your money here and you will be wealthy for the rest of your life. Put your money there and you just still you. You know what I'm saying? You still have the same bills, the same pressures on your finance. I won't even start with the diets. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, there's a time you couldn't eat fat and now you can only eat fat. And you know that you just, it's like only eat apples and yogurt for 365 days and you'll be as skinny as any. you you will be but you'll just be very very bored <laughs> you know it's like yeah, so only so many extreme promises that you can listen to and not start being going in your heart like oh there's just another one else. and turns Nathaniel and when he's told about this great prophet that comes from Nazareth he's like oh yeah 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 I've heard all these stories before and besides what good ever came out of Nazareth have you seen Nazareth it is a small little rinky town in the middle of nowhere. Nothing but carpenters come out of that place. There's no one there who's even educated. And you know, sometimes when we hear those promises of God, we can get a little jaded. I don't know how you feel about that. You know, you hear again how, how God wants to prosper you and how God wants to transform your family. You hear again how God wants to transform your life. How God wants to save, heal, and deliver your neighbor. How God wants to promote you. How God wants to heal your marriage, save your children. You hear those things and you you feel like, is this the same as all those patterns on TV? Great promises but nothing to show. for it. And I feel all of us somehow fit into some of these categories. And yet with each of these kind of people, Jesus had the same solution. And it went like this come and see, come here, come close, come and see, come and touch, come and feel, come and experience, come and walk with me. And as you do, I will look into your soul, I will see who you are and I will pull that out. Maybe you won't physically get a name change, but I'm telling you this, you will get an upgrade.
1: You'll get a vision
0: upgrade, you'll get a personality upgrade, you'll get a character upgrade, You'll get a skills upgrade. you get a purpose that you didn't have before. A really great thing that like Timothy Keller, who's a great preacher in the U.S., said this. He's a Presbyterian, so um, all I know that is that all my ancestors were Presbyterians, so he must be great. he says this the gospel is this we are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe yet at the very same time we are more loved and accepted in jesus christ than we ever dared hope You notice the thing that jesus didn't say or didn't expect or didn't put down as a, a requirement before these people came to him he didn't say get your act together he didn't say change your life he didn't say be a better person he didn't say come to me with five converts and then we'll talk he said to them or well, these friends said come and see and when they came through there he was available Because the, the beauty of the kingdom is that you can't change yourself. That God sees who you are and loves you anyway. How many of you messed up this week? Also, oh, oh, well done! All those who raised their hands. What you <laughs> I know you really to <laughs> Deep down. Yeah. <laughs> But the person you're trying to stay face with is sitting next to you and you're like, look away there, dear. But you know, the truth is, this week, probably this morning, we all messed up some way. You know that story that goes, Lord, thank you. I haven't gossiped. I haven't slandered anyone. I've been kind to everyone I've met. I have stuck to my diet. I have not thought a single bad thought. Thank you, Lord. Now I'm going to get out of bed. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? It's like life has a way out the worst of us. You know, I'm a fantastic wife. Fantastic wife. Until Andrew does some things. <laughs> which I won't here. I am the absolute perfect mother. until so my child walks in with a muddy hand and puts it on my new white dress. My you know, life gets in the way of my righteousness. <laughs> I know you guys have all got it sorted, but I'm just confessing right now. But the beauty of Jesus says he sees that all you anyway, right? and he doesn't say pull yourself together before you can come get lessons from me. He says come now as you are. To me, the reason you're messing up is because you're excluding me in the first place. Come right here to me. Let's walk arm in arm and I want to tackle the state together. Let's clean that muddy put of your dress together. Let's deal with that crotchety spouse. That's not Andrew, by the way. That's him <laughs> dealing with me. Let's deal with that crotchety spouse together. Let's deal with that harsh boss together. Let's face that impossible situation together. Let's face your moodiness together. Let's, let's deal with your desires together. That you are more flawed than you ever thought possible. But more loved than you ever thought So all these people who, some way or another Come to see Jesus. This picture is here for my sons, just in honor of them. And to let every hipster in Joburg know that they are welcome in the kingdom also. <laughs> if you don't know what a hipster is, you don't have teenagers or young adults in your life. That is a hipster. I just I'm gonna I'm gonna share some personal things. Before I got married, um a friend of mine who knew that Andrew was interested in me came up to me and said, um, he was fishing on Andrew's path, what on earth happened there? Okay, it's And asked me, do I like beards or not? My emphatic response was no, 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 and no again. She went away, told Andrew, Andrew shaved his beard off. <laughs> we got married and he grew it right back. And <laughs> okay, now my sons have beards. And I always ask <laughs> I once said my son says when he has a he has a beard in order to that bring. When food falls in, in, you can collect it for later. <laughs> yeah.
1: He's only joking.
0: He's only joking that there's others, and he's okay. Guys, I'm going to tell you the truth. He never really said that. I just laid that out. And if you see him, don't mention that. He <laughs> will take a service and I won't be saying it in again. <laughs> okay, so we digress. But then, man was looking in the mirror, and the reason, I, the real reason, I had that. To let you know that that when we come to Jesus and we see who he is, it's like we don't just see him, we get to see ourselves. It's like looking in the mirror. His eyes become a mirror to us. And we see reflected in there what his light. And we transform by the experience. Brings us loneliness. He knows about the anger. He knows those thoughts you think when you look in the mirror. He knows the conflict and the challenges and we come to him because what it means is that the more you try and hide that stuff, the slower your healing comes because he's seen it already and he's calling you to him so that he can set you for Matthew 10 says that he, he knows the very numbers of hairs on your head and for some of you men that's a lot less than it used to be. <laughs> But in other words, he knows. And the fact that he's still loves you means he's a safe place. The next thing is that he invites us home. You know, when he said to those two disciples, when they asked, where does he live? He said, come and see. He wasn't just inviting them to a address, As I said earlier, he's inviting them to a He was inviting them to a place where he lived. Where, is, where they could make themselves at home, where they could be known. The next thing he does is he changes the name like he did with with Peter. He looked at Peter and he said, Your parents might have thought of you as a person who would never stand firm on anything. But I am saying to that identity that has plagued you, that no longer will you be swayed this way or that, but I call you Rock. Peter! One person on whom I can build for my kingdom, my church, and I support you to fulfill our aspirations. You know, I love when you found Philip. He said to him, "Follow me." another way of saying it. When he called Peter, John, jo- James, Andrew, when they were fishing, he said the same thing, follow me. Follow me and I'll make you fish with me. And what's he doing? saying we all have aspirations for greatness, for significance, for security, for living lives that mean something. And Jesus is looking at each and every one of us and saying, those aspirations, believe it or not, are not going to be met in your workplace. They're not even going to be met in your family. They're only going to be met as you follow him. As you turn your workplace into a mission. <laughs> as you turn your family into a mission for the kingdom. As you turn your relationships into a place where Jesus can run. Where you come and follow him. Be known by him. Be changed by him. Have your identity spoken by him. And then walk into a destiny that involves Doing the things he's doing. Lawyer, doctor, mother, father, whatever you are, student, let all of that follow Jesus. You're You're first a Christian and then you're a student. You're first a Christian and then you're a mom. You're first a Christian and then you're a lawyer you first a Christian if you're a doctor. you first a Christian and you're a sister, a brother, whatever else you are. William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, said this, the greatness of a man's power is the measure of his surrender. My last and closing point is that the concept of coming to Jesus, experiencing Him, to come and see, is a strategy to change the world. Because no one ever stays the same when they come to Jesus. And once you have seen Him, you can never walk through your life again the same way. And I want to invite you into a journey of first personally coming to Jesus and experiencing Him, and then secondly going out to the world and like those disciples, taking the hands of your friends, your associates, and saying, "Come and see what I've seen. I have seen the the glory of God changing my life," and I am coming to invite you into this same experience. We have a, a lovely saying in this church is that we do evangelism through thoughts. But first of all, we go out and we simply start conversations with people. You can do that. You can say, hi, my name is so-and-so. You can shake a hand. You can invite someone to coffee. You can greet someone at work. You can start a conversation. And in that Conversation, you're gonna ask them questions about themselves, get to know them, tell them about yourself, you're gonna become a friend. You're gonna find out where they are. Are they a crusader, cynic, just a person trying to be good? What are their fears, their insecurities, their challenges? And then you're gonna say, Well, how about that? Let me tell you my story. Let me tell you what and it's not going to be a big speech, it's going to be oh my word, I face that too but this is what God's done in my life and last of all, you're going to say this, you're going to invite right them come and see come and see come to that place with me and walk with him. come and see who Jesus is come to church come to connect group because Jesus and you are a recipe for success. together, you will change the world. he will reach into that person's heart. He will see everything that they have done. He will make home for them, and back them in. He will change their name. He will change their identity. He will call out for them. That person that he made them to be. And in turn, they will reach out to their neighbor, 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 and they will say, come and see what God has done. Come and see what God has done. Come and see what God has done. Amen. So this year, I'm going to ask you to make it a year of coming at the end. That you would come and see what Christ has done in amongst us. But you would find your neighbors, your colleagues, your friends, your enemies, your relations, and you would say, Come and see with me. Come and see with me what oh God has done. Amen.